Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Mel. How are you ladies feeling? We are at the end of season two, last episode. It's been over a year since we started. I think it's crazy because I remember just being on winter break planning for season two and now that we're finishing it up it's like where has the time gone right and it feels like it's just like a rush to get each episode out it feels like people are relating to what we're talking about so we're picking the right topics and that all feels good I think when we first started just recording ABG, we did not expect to get messages and comments from people. And as anyone knows who's done any types of side projects in addition to a full-time job, it's hard and you hit a lot of road bumps, right? But I think a lot of what pushed us through or helped us get through was A, you know, lots of amazing people that are helping us. But also there was a natural gut check that there would be people out there who would find it relatable. But it's really nice to have it confirmed when people write in with messages. Yeah, that's crazy because we're just, I mean, we were talking to Helen earlier and she was telling us she was at a, as an event or a movie screening. It was um, the Crazy Rich Asians post-screening party. Yeah, this was really weird because I was there and, you know, just getting my drink on. <laughs> <laughs> and one of our listeners came up to us and was like, hey. And I was like, oh, shoot, I don't know her. <laughs> Do <laughs> I, I know, know her? Name? Did I forget her name? Um, because no one's ever really, like, come up to me before Yeah. Um, about ABG or anything else. Yeah. Um, she said she was a, a fan and she was a listener and she was kind of in shock to see me. And then I was in shock to see her or the fact that she actually came up to me and knew yeah. who I was. So I started... You know, just trying to, I don't even know what I said, but I just asked her like, oh, how's your night going? And like, thanks for listening. And then the last thing I said was like, can I get a picture with you? (laughs) I I think it usually happens the other way around where they want a picture with whoever they're going up to. Yeah. That they deem as their influencer or whatever. But yeah, I I asked her if she wanted a picture with me and I took a picture with her. And she sent it over to Janet and I. And and then yeah, to to Mel and Janet. I'm like, guys, I just got a picture with someone, but I don't think it's supposed to work this way. (laughs) Like, am I doing this right? I don't know. (laughs) You know what I find crazy about this story too is we're a podcast. People just hear our voices. For 
them to even recognize your face is like, whoa, they're actually really engaged. It's nerve wracking in the moment, but then reflecting on it now, it's like, oh, wow, there are these younger girls who actually see us as older sisters that are influencing them in a way that they're not getting out of their like own lives. So that, that you know, it feels good. Yeah. Um, afterwards to think about it that way. Um, so going with that, I think this would be a great time for us to talk about Asian American women that influence us mm-hmm. and that we've looked up to growing up or that we look up to now. March was Women's History Month mm-hmm. and now it's the month of May and that is APAM, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. So we thought that this would be timely to release this type of an episode where, you know, we are in Asian American Podcast. podcast for the modern day woman right <laughs> and we haven't really highlighted people who have influenced us and also people in the media who um, we deem to be sort of role models who are some of those people for us you know because i think nowadays with the podcasting platform with youtube with all of these different ways of media younger people today have so much of a broader access to people who don't only influence them but are also relatable yeah but i think for us um i know mel's a little bit younger but <laughs> yes but, but generally we grew up highly influenced in the 90s when media was more like kind of corporate, I guess. I don't, uh, that's not the right word for it, but you know, you don't have all these different mediums and platforms. Mm -hmm. And while I had a lot of Asian American women that influenced me growing up, I never really felt super relatable to them. Like I didn't look at them and think I could see myself in them and therefore that I could accomplish the things that they were accomplishing Mm -hmm. versus when we look at kind of some of the Asian American women who are available to young girls nowadays, there is, in addition to the influence aspect, they're relatable. Like Mm -hmm. there's something about them that you can see and that, you know, you like, they're doing that thing. I see myself in them and I can do that. Right. Yep. When you were growing up, who were some Asian women that, that kind of come to mind? Sailor Moon? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, actually, no. Were that's they Asian? True. Yeah. Oh, no. But, and they, well, anime and they had blonde hair. Yeah. Well, they also had green hair and I think they were non ethnic, oh, maybe. They were I don't non, know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's weird, actually? Thinking back when I was in third grade, when Pokemon came out for the first time and I saw like the non Asian people get into Pokemon, a part of me was like, oh my God, you like something that's Asian. But I didn't know why mm. I was so excited. Right. Right. Well, Mm. I think there was also a huge lack of Asian representation when we were growing up, right? Like for me, it was what, like the Yellow Ranger who had like a helmet on half the time. (laughs) I couldn't even see her face. But at the same time, I remember really liking Kimberly because she was like Mm. the pretty white girl. And I wanted to be the pretty white one. And people were like, no, you're the yellow Yellow one. one. Like, I don't want to be the yellow one. I always wanted to be the pink ranger, though, because I just like the color. I never liked the color yellow. I think I might have been the yellow ranger a couple of times. But I mean, at the same time, looking back, it's like, that's so cool that they had an Asian female. Mm -hmm. That was like a kick-ass girl. Yeah. 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 I remember Brenda's song, watching her and really liking her. She was on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yeah. Because she has like a really round face, and I have a round face. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, round face Asians can make it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Christy Yamaguchi and Michelle Kwan mm. were in the mm-hmm. Winter Olympics as ice skaters. And my parents focused on Michelle Kwan a lot because she was not only Chinese, but she went to UCLA. So she was mm. a local person. Oh, okay. And I also, I didn't ice skate, but I danced when I was growing uh, up. Okay. And so I felt somewhat of a relatability in that sense. Okay. But even then, Olympic people are not people that you find like, oh, I see myself in them. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. No. right. So even then she was influential, but it wasn't super relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, um, Michelle Kahn was someone on my list too because when I was that age, when she was like blowing up, I I didn't know how she influenced me or why she mattered. But I remember when I saw her computer game for my PC, I wanted to buy it. 
Because mm-hmm. maybe she had a familiar face or something. I just, right. I think when you're younger, when you see these Asian American women, you don't know exactly why you resonate with them. I remember anytime I saw someone in a commercial that was Asian, and I still do this nowadays, yeah. I'm like, yeah, Asian person. Right. <laughs> like, right? Because it's so rare. Right, right? Yeah. exactly. Maybe when we're younger, we do see these people like Brenda, Trini, or Kwan, and we say, oh, there's a little cheer for them, but at the same time, we can't fully relate to them. Yeah. Nor do we know at that moment whether or not they're actually influencing, right? Yeah. Because we're still young and we're kind of just absorbing whatever media comes to us. It's exactly. not until later on in life when you're looking back and you're like, oh, why did I buy that video game? Maybe she did actually influence me when I was younger. Yeah. And she was yeah. in a quote-unquote influencer to you at that point. Yeah. Right? I remember when ABDC came out into MTV. It was like a huge thing. And ABDC? I remember, oh, yeah. America's Best Dance Girl. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, when, wow. Sorry. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember when Kava Modern came on right. the scene. I was like, oh my god, these are so cool dancers. You're Asian American. Oh my god, I see myself in them, but I don't know how to dance like them. But I remember when I was reading for Kava Modern to win and they had their merch out, I was legitimately thinking about purchasing a sweater, like a Kava Modern sweater, uh-huh. and wondering if people would recognize me as like a Kava Modern dancer because I was Asian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I could blend in, right? I, I think that actually might be the first time that I thought Asians were like super cool, cool right? Yeah. As like not mm. just an individual who's a kick-ass figure skater, a group of people with like right, right. just a cool factor about them. This is, I don't know if this might be before Calvin Modern's time, but did you guys watch American Idol growing up? Yeah. Yes. Kelly or Clarkson. Some, yeah. The first one, yeah. I remember when Jasmine Trias made it to top five. She was like this Filipino-American singer. And I was like, oh my God, an Asian girl like made it to like a top for like this American show. I actually voted. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, I want to vote for her because she looks like me or something like that. Speaking of TV, I don't know if you ladies remember Connie Chung. Yes, yeah. she was like a news anchor person, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was on 2020 News and she was one of the lead news anchors. I watch a lot of sitcoms. I would always see her face right before an episode started or at the ending of a TV show. It was always feeling in awe and inspired that this Asian woman was in the news because it felt like it was such an important role. Mm-hmm. Or even just seeing an Asian woman speak eloquently and not yeah, being typecasted that... as some sort of like a subservient woman or some sort yeah, of like a yeah. like a stereotypical Hollywood role that people right, would give right. Asian women. And, and news is something that, I mean, I think in general, but as a child, you look at you're like, oh, that's serious stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like she has a legitimateness to her. And it's like for news anchors, a lot of the times they were men covering the more heavier issues that she did and some of the interviews that she did. So that was something that I think kind of did influence me when I was younger. I think when you're younger, you really don't know how to pinpoint when you see these people on the screen, like these Asian-American like women. You're, you don't know how to um, feel. Like for me, I had difficulty like thinking about this because I didn't have an answer as to why I felt the way I felt when I saw these people on the screen. You're like, oh, I feel a certain way, but I don't know what it is. But I like seeing these women on the screen because I feel like maybe I relate to them. But then mm-hmm. I think as I got older and then YouTube has increased, I kind of feel, I realized like, your identity really matters, right? And I think media changes perception just like of ourselves too, right? So mm-hmm. when we're not seeing ourselves in media, even the whole model minority myth, we essentially internalize that because if we're not seeing anyone else out there that can give us some sort of a diversity in view or perception of who we're supposed to be, then maybe we do sort of reflect that as, oh, we should be right. the quiet Asian or just like the smart Asian and yeah. yeah. And Mel, to your point about not being cognizant of it or realizing, I think that is the biggest point is it isn't something that you are aware of that's happening. If you reflect or if you kind of look at it in hindsight and realize that it's an absence thing, that is, mm-hmm. it's a very kind of psychological effect. Yeah. And I feel like when we're younger also, we just take whatever's given to us, right? We're not looking for that's like so these true. Asian influencers because we don't even know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. If we had like 
a slew of like Asian influencers out there while we were growing up, we'd be like, oh, that is so cool. And I want to relate to them more. I want to seek them out more. Yeah. But because we didn't even have that, we just took like the Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilar. No, exactly. Or you have was... me and like the more serious like Connie Chung or like we, we talked also about uh, reading the Joy Luck Club in school oh, growing yeah. up, Amy Tan. But that's how deep I had to dig. To, right. <laughs> or how not pop culture relevant it was. Right. Looking back, like if I were to look at like role models or mentors in my life, the people that I look up to growing up were actually real life people in my mm-hmm. life that were Asian American versus someone on screen because I didn't have anyone I, I felt like I could relate to. Right. Mm-hmm. So someone tangible to Exactly. You. Yeah. So do you guys have any tangible people in your life that you looked up to, like whether it's a sister or like a friend? Well, I guess if I were to look back at my life and where I am now and who quote unquote influenced my life, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult because again, I can't identify anyone specific in media that I said, oh my gosh, she's an amazing finance businesswoman that I am going to emulate and whose life I want to recreate and live on my own. But if I do think back to it, I would say it's my sister. She's two years older and I literally followed her footsteps from high school to college, same college same undergrad program but yeah i would say that my sister is probably the biggest influencer and also as an older sister right you always look up to her and kind of follow whatever she does like yeah she wanted to play teacher when she was younger and so i played teacher and like did all these things that she wanted to do and how about you mel I always wished I had an older sister growing up because mm. I wanted to steal mm. her clothes. But now I just borrow my brother's oversized shirts and he's younger, whatever. Um, <laughs> someone I looked up to growing up was someone in choir. So I was a freshman and she was a senior. Her name is Lolita. She's still to this day like my mentor in life. I think I looked up to her because I saw myself in her. She mm. was three years older than me. She was really silly, but she was also like everyone respected her because she... She was like our section leader in choir. Like she like led our whole 28 girls to make sure they knew what they were doing. But she also did it with compassion and love. And she became someone that I just looked up to because I always, when I had, when I ran into any questions in college or anything with love or romance and family, she would always be someone I asked for answers to. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of call her like the elevated version of myself. Like I see her as like, she's a really good daughter. The way she um, handles work is something I want to be able to handle it in the way she does. And it's interesting because she's not in the same industry as me. Like we're actually very different careers. Do you think that her cultural background plays a role too? Like, is there there aspects of similar values or similar experiences that you know that she understands or that she emulates that you know that you wouldn't find in another person? Yeah, you know, Lolita is Thai, so she's also Asian American. So I think we did have that similar family and cultural Mm -hmm. background. I think when you don't have someone growing up in the media to look up to, you look for people in your life. The fact that she was so relatable to me. And the fact that I feel like, oh my God, we have similar qualities. We're very, our personality is actually very similar too. And she's, I think the fact that she is older, she became like naturally my mentor. How about you, Janet? Did you have anyone? I am an older sister, so I didn't have anyone in my family, but I had an older cousin who was only two years older. Mm-hmm. And we have really different personality types, but I did look up to her a lot growing up. Not only her, but I had some other friends who were either a year older or slightly older that I also kind of emulated. And they were all, I mean, with my cousin, it's like we were dealing with the same family and the same values, yeah. but my friends who were also like Chinese American or Vietnamese American or. Like what about them did you feel like you related to? Were they like, you know, into raw salads? Like, did they also <laughs> like, you know, meditate? With the water water bath sound bath. Well, I think so. I say my cousin and I are really different because she's super extroverted, really bubbly personality, mm-hmm. but she also was a natural leader. 
and not just with women like with dudes and she was kind of a tomboy mm-hmm. but she could command a team and a group like that and garner respect but also be really fun and kind of like flirty and like i always found that really really admirable and i had a lot of other friends who had older sisters so they were maybe like a year or two older than me and all had different aspects like i remember one girl was much more academic and like softer spoken so i was like i'm a little bit more like that so mm-hmm. i can i could directly kind of like relate to and admire some of those things and take some of the classes that she took right the year after kind yeah. of things so going back to connie chung she was a news anchor person and now you have your own podcast so i think she is a direct oh my god dream realized oh, yeah. <laughs> there was actually a, a very brief period in my life i think in, in elementary school my mom was like you should be a news anchor so maybe there was some influence in my mind where i was like yeah i want to i you know like connie chung I you've come that. full circle and now <laughs> you're influencing other girls oh. actually a lot of like a lot of my friends who listen like love janet's voice on the yeah. podcast janet has a great radio voice oh so great Mel, what email did you get recently? <laughs> Apparently, um, I have a very big lisp. I don't own it. Own yeah, it. Yeah, own it. I mean, I do. And you, and you, you were relatable to someone, yeah. and she felt much more comfortable with, with her speech impediment. No, yeah. but I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about. You are that person for her who she looks at and is like, "Wow, you're doing really amazing things." And there's something about you that I can see myself in. I mean, she's essentially wrote to you was like, "You're inspiring me." So yeah, that is awesome. That is really awesome. And it's like a small thing where just thinking back to our childhood, was there someone who we looked up to and said, and could send a message to and be like, hey, thanks for being this person who is able to be proud of whatever I'm not uh, confident about or whatever. Like we never had that. And the fact that you are that person for someone, it's amazing. It feels so surreal. Like I don't believe it. You're Lispor. (laughs) That too, you know. I think it's incredible that you're able to influence this girl and the platform that you're using is a podcast different from our generation of where we grow up people growing up in the 2000s now they have YouTube they have Netflix they have access to so many different platforms and similarly so do creators creators can put themselves out there really easily and that's created this like surplus of you know just Asian Americans creating content Mm -hmm. which I think is incredibly important because you don't have to go through say like Hollywood which won't green light a lot of projects for people and you're able to just do it on your own and that's why nowadays just so many more influencers for the newer generation speaking of the newer generation like do you guys have anyone from that newer generation that you guys relate to like, I know, Helen, you're really into fitness. Is there anyone in the fitness world, maybe on Instagram or on YouTube, that you're like, I really like her content because I feel like I could see myself in Yeah, her. so there's one girl named Raimi. I think she just turned 30. Oh. And she had quit, you know, her corporate job and started doing fitness and blogging full-time. And I've always seen that as inspiring to be able to, to be successful in focusing on this path that I believe is incredibly hard to do. Mm-hmm. So people like her, people like Cassie Ho, Blogilates, the fact that they can take on this industry that doesn't have a lot of Asian influencers and be successful at it is inspiring and seeing it from like the perspective of their influencers but they're also relatable right they're also someone that I could see myself in and I think that's what makes it even more inspiring than someone like say Trini or people in our past growing up as as children people who we just kind of see and we kind of clap at but we can't really relate to I follow uh, there's this girl her Instagram account is stir and style and um, so she, I think she went to law school and was a practicing lawyer and then also was like de- um, a real estate agent. 
And she no longer practices law, um, or she does personally, because essentially she went to start her own like food business, but she also does a fitness business with her husband. She's just like all over the place, right? And in a good way. <laughs> and I found that inspiring because she is also Asian American and is an example of someone who did kind of the more traditional route and took that leap and is being very entrepreneurial and like really took a step away from like the safeness of, of pre-made paths. The thing that I really like about her is that she has such a positive and great energy. Mm -hmm. And so beyond it, any of her accomplishments or all those things, having someone like that be present for people today, that just is just awesome. Helen, to your point about her being, or like these influencers being relatable, it's because the platform, like I can see her, she's taking stories all the time. I feel like I'm, I'm really getting to know her as a person. And that's something that we wouldn't get in the past, right? With media, mm -hmm. we don't see the everyday content of someone. How about you, Mel? Well, two people come to mind. I have a major girl crush on Jenim for Close Encounters. Mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely have different backgrounds, but I think the fact that we're the same age or around the same age, I feel like I can relate to her. I just like her voice when she is talking to the camera. I actually watch all her YouTube videos. I feel like she, there's something really real about the way she comes off off screen. She feels like a friend. Yeah, like easy a, going. Exactly. She'll cuss on screen. You get to see her eat kimchi jjigae, whatever. Just like mm -hmm. you feel like you're just chilling with her. And I think that's like, I don't know. That's So there's something really comforting about that. Sounds like something you could do, Mel. I, I something I totally do. I just don't whip out the camera. Um, <laughs> Maybe it sounds like something you should do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you guys, do you guys want to see videos of me eat? <laughs> Anyways, another person I think that I was surprised to feel myself resonate with is Ali Wong. Okay, yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I think people were talking so much about our special on Netflix. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm hearing about it. But then I finally watched it months later, and I was laughing so hard. Because it was the first time I saw like an Asian-American being really like raunchy. Right. But also yeah. being really honest about it too. Yeah. Because I think sometimes growing up, I always joke around that my humor is like a boy. Like I say kind of perverted things here and there. I like my girlfriends are just like, oh, you're gross. I'm just like, really? But it's so funny. Right. So watching Ali Wong, like, you know, give her like comedy specials, like, oh my God, I totally like get this girl. And it was hilarious. Did you guys watch her special? Yeah, I watched it too. And I, I was laughing the whole time. I kind of just happened upon on Netflix one night because I had heard Mel talk about it. Yeah. But she brings in aspects that are like cultural mm -hmm. that if you're not of that culture, you wouldn't really find it as, as funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's great that, yeah, now we have Asian American comedians, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot more of them too. So a different spin, I guess, of our character that is more standard in Hollywood. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember a time when you first saw an Asian man on screen and you're like, wow, who's that? He's hot. I think we were joking about this, but I, Tuxedo Mask? For, is it Dude. Sam or Mask? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so actually there's Tuxedo Mask and he became the White Knight in like a few yeah. portions of the series. I was a huge Sailor Moon fan. Yeah, my cousin, my sister and I, we used to get up every morning at like 7 a.m. to watch it on Saturdays. So that that probably was the earliest memory I had of any. Of a hot man? Yeah, he of, was And hot. it was a character. <laughs> it's a cartoon character. Excuse me. Uh, very... Darian it was so dreamy. <laughs> yes, he was dreamy. I, I think it's just, it's funny and really sad that we didn't have too many hot Asian men out there that we had to resort to cartoon, cartoon characters. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, In the early 90s were there... Early 90s. I don't know about that. Oh, I'm sorry, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, for me, because I, I think in, a, in season one, I talked about, like, growing up, I was really influenced by, like, Taiwanese pop culture. Mm. I loved F4. I don't know if you guys know who Yeah, my cousin was obsessed with Jerry. Oh, oh, yeah. But F, so F4 is like this Taiwanese like boy band that was like blew up in Asia. I had like their calendars and like their CDs. And I, okay, so there's another, K, not K-pop, Taiwanese pop band called K1. Oh my God, I was so obsessed. I had all their three albums. I had a notebook. I put, the guy's name is JR. I wrote his name like 1,000 times. Oh, wow. 
so the fact major fangirl yeah so the fact that like in american like pop culture there was no one i found attractive Mm -hmm. i resorted to like taiwanese pop culture i see Mm. i remember watching better luck tomorrow and thinking perry shen was really cute oh yeah (laughs) wasn't what was there another movie that they were in well, maybe it was Better Luck Tomorrow that I'm thinking of. Yeah. But that was like was one of the few, like, there's only been, what, Joy Luck Club, Better Luck Tomorrow, what else yeah. is there? Now there's Crazy Rich Asians, but there weren't there's a lot Shang of, like, movie Mulan. movies. Shang from Mulan. <laughs> is he even going to be in Mulan? Like, I know. <laughs> that's, yeah. So I remember seeing him and thinking, like, I think it was more, like, his personality as well. I was like, oh, what a nice guy. I could he was totally, a very, yeah, he played the and, nice guy. And also more, like, relatable, too. Like, I could totally yeah. have a friend like this <laughs> that that's I would true. be attracted mm. to and, like. Oh, man. I'm just thinking now, like, because I am a little younger than you guys. When the YouTube scene blew up, I totally had YouTube crushes. I don't want to say who, though. Because you're party friends with them. <laughs> I know. The, uh, yeah, dude. All right, guys. This is the last episode for season two. Man, I can't believe we're actually done with season two. Two. <laughs> Sorry, just it's 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 just weird to me because I remember we we were just in Cabo. Oh yeah, you know, having our live streaming with margaritas. I think season two flew by a lot faster than season one. Right. I yeah. Think so. It felt that way too. And maybe because we kind of know what we're doing. Now. I, you know, I <laughs> think that's what it was. Down. There yeah. was less like re-recordings of episodes. Right. And, like, yeah. We kind of had our flow down. Right. But yeah. it is kind of, it feels like we closed our eyes and we had 12 episodes and we opened them and now we're at like 22. And that's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's insane to me that people are actually still listening to us. Yeah. Why are you still keep listening? listening? Yeah. Why are you listening to us? Because they like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but everyone's continued messages and comments have been so helpful and motivating for us and validating that, you know, we're putting out content that you enjoy and that you find relatable. So thank you so much for that. And we hope that you'll continue to send us messages. Actually, honestly, like whenever we get a message or email from you guys, we may not respond, but we send it to the team. And every morning I read it before I go to work. And it just kind of makes my day a little better having those like messages from you guys. It does. And it feels like people are relating to us and we're picking topics that people like. So even just like looking back on this past season, we started off with the fuck boy part two episode. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of people against this Kyle guy (laughs) over here. Poor Kyle. Just kidding. And then we, you know, talked through our... Zodiac signs and Mel, a big part of this season was you going through your relationship story, which you were super Mm. honest and open and vulnerable and raw about, which I think it's incredibly amazing that you were able to do that because a lot of people were able to relate to it. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I think it does mean a lot for me and you know for you guys for being there as I started that relationship and how I ended it. So thanks for you know joining me on that ride. What a journey! I know, it's crazy. There'll be more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be Janet next season. I know. Guys. Can <laughs> we? Play? Yeah, don't jinx it. <laughs> no, it's gonna be Janet, but with a positive ending. How about just first how to find the one to make yeah. it work? With? <laughs> Ooh, we should set up like a blind date and like put a mic on oh, her. Oh no, I got. I've been on. And then help like judge the uh, the conversation. Oh my god, I'm so down for that but again thanks so much for listening i do want to say that we have an announcement helen the reason why this is somewhat timely to end the season is because i'm actually going to spain in probably like two weeks from now probably by the time this episode gets released i'll be in madrid essentially i'm being placed into another team over there but only for three months temporarily it's the same team same type of work and i'm just sharing knowledge from my team and picking up efficiencies from their side just leveraging our global footprint for the company for the company (laughs) 
And drinking lots of sangria, (laughs) eating lots of tapas, taking siestas maybe. We'll be doing all of that. I've never been in Europe, so this is going to be very new to me. Yeah. That sounds so amazing. It'll be a great adventure for you. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be. I'll post some stuff on ABG stories. Oh my God. Yes. Can you? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to be here boring. Speaking of that, so we are going to be taking a break before we start season three again. So while Helen is in Madrid and Mel and I are in LA, what are some of the things that you guys would like to see from us? Do you want to see more live streams, Instagram stories? vlogs leave us some ideas because we we have some but you know we'd like to hear from you guys yeah and when janice says vlogs we've definitely been exploring ideas but these vlogs will be super duper raw as fuck like janet's salads because it'll be basic basic we just wanted to give you guys content that way you guys could feel connected to us as we take this hiatus to prepare for season three so just let us know in the emails dms or comments what you want to see or hear from us If there are episodes that you've missed, this is a great chance to catch up, too. Yes. Uh, You can find us on iTunes at ABG Asian Boss Girl. Subscribe. Leave us a rating or review if you're, you know, liking what you're hearing. Speaking of ratings, we just hit over 100. That's freaking crazy to me. Yeah, I think out of all three of us, I'm the one that's most excited to, like, see these ratings and reviews every day. I literally check it every morning. No, I check it every day, too. I know. And I screenshot it to the team. But just just so crazy to me. Like, really? You guys are leaving us, like, ratings and reviews? Like, spending time outside of your day to write something to us? Man, you made me feel like I just won, like, best album of the year for the Grammys or something. (laughs) Someone give her a trophy. (laughs) Please. Made out of food. But we've also been hearing from a lot of people that um, they heard of our podcast from friends. Mm, So if you like what you're hearing, you know, share it with a friend because I think I know we know for a fact there's a lot of women out there working or men um, and you got time to spend in the car. Uh, We have some short episodes you can listen to. So right. And just to sort of full circle wrap up our episode here, you know, we could be a voice or influencers for some of your friends as well. If you're finding that you're relating to our podcast. So spread the word, spread the word. (laughs) Thanks again, everyone, for listening in all the way through the end of season two. We are very excited to start working on season three. In the meanwhile, you can find us on social media. So we'll see you there. Until next time. Bye. Bye.